Great morning, everybody. Great morning. Caleb back from uh, his hiatus. Um, I admired you, bro. How how was it? How how was the little trip? I'm kind of I'm really the trip doesn't matter, man. I missed that last. Uh, I missed that last episode. I'm still a little bummed about it. It's all it's all good, bro. We can we can bring them back. I mean, we it was it was great. I mean, we'll we'll see what the feedback is. Um, you know me, I cracked a couple jokes, made classic. fun of you a little bit. Classic, you know, cl- classic coop trying to be funny. You know, it's all good. It's coop all... is funny. That's what yep. the listeners need to know. <laughs> Dude, it's super funny. Anyways, anyways, how, how was it though? How you? How was it? Um, just a little refreshing trip. We were in Colorado. <laughs> We did some natural hot springs. Nah, nah, don't, don't even, don't, don't even downplay it, bro. Fav- favorite part, favorite part was a uh, fifteen-minute cold plunge, um, dives. Love it, love it. So can I, can I, can I, can I brag about you a little bit? What's up? Okay, so my guy Caleb, love him. I mean, so I got goals, and then like Caleb, like. I mean, he's got goals too, but like he's living some of my goals right now. So, like, one of his goals is taking his wife on a trip a quarter. Am I cool to share that? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. we're, we're trying to go somewhere cool. Yeah. Once a quarter, bust our butt, and then have a little reward. Yeah. So, like, I'm I'm trying to create something. So, like, you know, if uh, someone like the kids or the wife wants to go on a trip, like, we don't need to really plan. We can just go like the next week or like the next mm. day. So, like. Caleb and Show they go to uh, uh, South Dakota for a wedding, and so I'm you know he messaged me that in a a bar with you know basically no one was in the bar and I was like oh what what are you guys doing in uh, South Dakota? So you're here for a little wedding, you know da da da, and then I don't know how this came up or maybe it was the next day. I think we were like, trying to schedule our podcast. Yeah, we were trying to schedule the yeah I think that's what it was. And <laughs> Caleb's like, Show wants to go to Colorado. I was like, oh, so we, okay, cool. So we're just going to take a detour. He's like, yeah, we, in, and then I love it, Caleb. Uh, yeah, we kind of been planning it. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, y'all just South Dakota. Then the wife's like, oh, let's, let's go to Colorado. She had a lot more of the details hammered out than I did. <laughs> I, I'll tell you that. So my guy, Caleb, just just doing it big. Um, love him. Love him. Try, trying to get on his level. So Trying to do it big on the low. Trying to... <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, I, to be fair, Coop, I worked a lot on this trip. And oh, I was, saw. It was product. It was productive. Yeah, which is good too. Um, I'm man, just just in and out of the service. You know, yeah. you got to appreciate God's beauty too. Love. Oh, you got to. You got to. Um, Sidebar. I'm starting, I'm, I'm starting to know. Um, when you and Shaw are together, not to be texting you though. Like I'm. I'm slowly <laughs> starting to. I'm slowly starting to to know when she's got you. It's. Uh, no, no fly zone, Coop. You you better uh go to the next airport. <laughs> well, it's 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 funny because she would say Caleb has lots uh, of improving to go. Um, but lo, no, little sidebar: I love cold showers. I love that. Yep. I love and hate them. I love the yeah. health benefits of them. Sure. Yep. But man, I I was talking with a high level individual out there named Sam Ligginton. Um. And we would get in the cold plunge for 15 minutes. It was the water was probably like 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. Then we get in the hot tub for 15. Then we go back to the ice cold for oh, 15. It was awesome. 
Y'all do the hot for the body. Yeah, y'all do the the ice ice heat contrast. Oh yeah. man, I was loving it. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up, bro. Um. Okay. So let's uh, man, let's jump into this book review. Um, Outliers by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Yep. Uh, what, thoughts? Take. Have you read, Have you read this one already, Caleb? Like, yeah, yeah. I read. No, I I had read like chapter one or two. I never finished okay. it. Gotcha. But this okay. book has been out for a little over a decade. Yeah. Kind yep. of like he tries to define the science of success. Um, general overview of the whole book, right? It's kind of like who are outliers in terms of success and what are some of the circumstances that, that got them there? Yeah. So like he, he talked about, and, and basically this whole book, it was three things. And I'm pretty sure I wrote this down. So, um, Basically, it was the like people we hang out with, um, like our environment, yep, culture, all all some way somehow play an effect in our lives, like the things we do, how we do things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so as we're going through, so I have two things. This is a great book, but I do have a problem with it. I hate so my one my one thing I have with this book is I hate how like yes you have these these factors like these outliers right that can predict how you are going to act and stuff like that but i just i i just want to my thing is at the end of the day you still are in control of you know you can change your environment you can you know create something around you obviously when you're little you don't really have a lot of control um which that was kind of crazy too when he talked about that. It's but a like, lot of macro versus micro. Yeah, you know, yeah. big picture. So like, you know, the chances of Coop making it are X percent based off of you know X, Y, and Z. Exactly. But yep. I mean, you, you still can, you still can grind. You still, you still can. Gr- That's what I'm saying. You can still change. Just because you come from somewhere does not mean it needs to be the predictor of your, um, of your li- like of your life basically i think that's where i'm going um but as we read this book i mean there's a lot i can't argue with though i can't argue with it yeah, you know fact, facts don't care about fact, feelings. Yeah, they don't <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things in this book and i was like yeah 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 he's he's right so that was just my my one comment um but the book was great i mean the, the book was great um you know uh chapter two um you know, they talk about different things in people's lives. And uh, chapter two, that that's where they talked about uh, opportunities. Um, and I th- chapter two and chapter three, I'm going to put them together because uh, chapter two is the opportunities. And then chapter three um, is the 10, the 10,000 hour rule. Oh, are we skipping my the hockey players? Oh, that was chapter one. If you if you bro, if you want. Like, my only little tidbit is Coop. My birthday is December 27th. So, so you're saying that's why you so, were hockey, hockey? I mean, I the cards were stacked against me. From they were day stacked one. against you. So basically, what Caleb was saying is, so in chapter one, they talked about it's fascinating. Yeah, they talked about hockey player. They talked about different sports, but it was they talked a lot about hockey. And they were talking about basically how if you were born, I think it was January, February, or in March, you were most. You it were was like forty percent of professional hockey players are yeah. born. 40 to 50% are born in the first quarter of the year. Yeah. And, and it kind of ties in with uh, the point in chapter three 
10,000 hours because they were born in that quarter. They were able to log in more hours and become a a master of their craft quicker than someone who was born in say December. Yes, exactly. Um, Yep. So I, I, it just really interesting that like, uh, timing and a little bit of luck, a little bit of circumstances, you know, statistically can make a difference. Yep. Um, the 10,000 hours, they use an analogy of um, orchestra players. And it seemed like the best players or the best musical players, excuse me, had all, you know, 90% of them had, had already reached 10,000 hours of practice. Whereas some of the backups were in tier, um, they hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah, you know, which, I mean, which, which is, uh, you know, I mean, which is with anything, you know? Um, you good, Caleb? Okay, all right, man. You know, it's all good. Moment of silence. It's all good. <laughs> um, But in this chapter three, when I talk about the 10,000 hour rule, they talk about preparation, um, you know, getting to the top you know, people work much, much harder, you know, and that was the whole point with the 10,000 hours rule. Um, you know, just practice, practice, practice. Um, and it was crazy because then he started breaking it down, like, you know, in like hours per week, mm-hmm. per day, over the course of a year, um, what, you know, what people in, in the music industry, whether you play piano, the saxophone, um, you know, in a band or whatever, uh, they were just talking about that. Um, and then like chapter two. So one of the things in the opportunities he's talked about in our life, we're all presented with opportunity. And it was crazy because, you know, between two and three, that's where he was talking about Bill Gates, um, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Kind of that tech bubble tech room. Yep. Yep. And again, they were born in a certain window which is crazy. They were born in a certain window mm-hmm. and it was like being in that born in that window helped them or the environment, you know, fostered these guys to, to be the giants that they are. Um, but they also had really crazy opportunities to be able to work more on their craft to get to that 10,000 hour rule. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking like, again, it's opportunities are all around us. You know, it's, it's just, are we going to, take advantage of it or not take advantage of it. I think this was the, I think it was either two or three. They were talking about the Beatles and they were saying that they had this gig over somewhere over Europe. Yeah. But like that's all they, yep. Yeah. That's all they did was they played there for like a couple of years. I think they would go to years and it'd be from like night, like the whole day they would just practice. But it was crazy because that's, how they got their 10,000 10, hours in. So like when they started, you know, doing stuff here in America, they already had logged 10 hour, 10,000 plus hours. And they killed it. You know, so, uh, yeah. So, you know what chapter three reminded me of? Um, the trouble with genius? No, Geniuses? no, no, that's chapter four. Um, oh, chapter yes, three was still on 10,000 yeah, hours. Um, yep, yep, yep. It reminded me of the late, great Kobe Bryant. When someone was asking him, like, why do you do three days? And he talked about how, like, if I put in X amount of hours for X amount of years, 
it's actually physically impossible for somebody to train as many hours as me. Yep, just over time, he's just going to be that much yeah, better. Yeah, I think that was in. Did we read um, what book was that? Was that in uh, with uh, uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's trainer? With uh, did we read that in our Not, podcast? No, we haven't. I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's on the list. It might be on the list. Uh, it's on the list. But he just talks about you know the exponential effect of where uh, the more hours you put in your craft the better he's going to be. Exactly. And that obviously it wasn't in this book, but it just reminded me of him. Like he was just stacking in as many hours as he could. And by the time he was 30, he knew that nobody coming into the league was going to be able to catch him. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Trouble with geniuses was an interesting chapter. It kind of, it kind of hammers home the point that we both already know is like, you know, Coop and I are not geniuses. You know, like a lot of successful people aren't. So, yeah, they talked about how like being smart can definitely help you, but it's not the end all be all. You should try to be smart. I think they talked yep. about like, hey, somebody with an IQ of 130, you know, once you get that high, it doesn't really matter if you go higher. They used um, Nobel Peace Prize winners. Most of them weren't like the smartest of the smart. They were very smart, but they weren't like genius level is what I would say. And- yeah, and the the thing about it is, you know, what I got out of the chapter is like that's that's why you got to be able to connect with people, like relationships, being able to co- collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you know, they were talking about, you know, I can't who the, I forget who the guy's name was in this chapter, but like the smartest guy, um, but he couldn't talk to his teacher. Like he couldn't convey what he like how he yeah, was he, feeling. He, yeah, he struggled with that. He and that's literally why he he I think he ended up dropping out of school or out yeah. of college or something yep. like that. Smartest kid, hands down, but like couldn't convey his idea. So like I thought that was that was crazy. Yeah, it was uh, that, that was, was it was a good chapter. It it, it makes uh, less smart people feel good. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and then uh. Chapter two, or it was chapter four, part two, I yep. think. Um, just a continuation. So th- crazy. They were talking about rich and poor families, and like the kids in each, uh, you know, how kids are, or how parents, yeah, how parents interact with their kids, whether you know from the rich or the poor side, you know. And I wrote down: richer families are heavily involved in their kids' free time. They even mm-hmm. they even go into some of that with the schooling um, later on in the book. Yep, I won't. I won't yep, know, but did they use the analogy of like, hey, you're gonna go see the dentist today? Huh. Oh yeah, that, I think that that was this one. Like where they were they uh, they had their daughter um, basically talk to the doc, like the dentist. Like this is what I'm going on. Yep. Like what what's ask happening? the dentist questions. Yep, and so like they're training and the, like the wealthier families train their kids to be able to articulate, talk to, you know, I need it done this way. And like, it's crazy. Cause he even said like in today's world that that comes off as snotty, right. Or it's come off as like yep. hockey or, or exactly. And I was like, yeah, it does. But like when you start to think about it though, I always say, what's the end result? Mm-hmm. Like, Again, you know, we have this this wealth gap that keeps, you know, people talk about today. 
there there's a reason there's a gap there's something there's something going on you know and it's all about in, in the information that we are taught growing up and that information and that information is what we what we uh live by that's how we work that's how we do things and so if you're a grinder going off the wrong information you're really not going to get anywhere and it and it, it and the crazy thing is, is like it all it is is information like once you have the right knowledge the right information and I'm, I'm not saying life is easier but you can understand where you need to go and how you need to get there when you have the right information so like i thought that was that was yeah awesome. asking paid professionals questions versus you know put in your head down be quiet and listen you know yep. be curious that's something that wealthy families teach statistically yeah got it got it um yeah and then they were just talking between the difference, the difference between a and c students and literally they said the whole the big difference is the community that they come from and this shocked me they were saying that there's really no difference between the a and the a and c students when they start out in school but as they get, you know, work through different grades, you can start to see the difference based off the community that they're around. Was this uh, was this where they talk about how you know summer vacations statistically? Oh, the, oh, that was like the that like, was just big light bulbs in my head. And I don't even I don't even have dude, kids. That was big I light bulbs. I mean, we should, oh, bro, I, I was writing notes. I was like, yep, I got to make sure I do this, this. Yep, got to do that. Yep, yep. Um, so but we'll, we'll, okay, we'll get there. Okay. Um, so yeah, South basically, you know, chapter four, um, you know, chapter five, they talk about this lawyer. Oh, um, this right. This, another, this, another phenomenal timing and, and, and a lot of yeah. hard work story. Just, just timing, hard work, you know, not taking no for an answer. Um, and they, and he's built one of the biggest firms in the world. But like the crazy thing is, is this guy, uh, Flom, yep. Joe Flom, mm-hmm. or whatever? He he's he took over cases that other lawyers didn't want. I That's believe. what he did starting out, and then they talk about how uh, corporate mergers were kind of taboo, and that's not nice. And yeah. he kind of just dove headfirst into it. He saw it as an opportunity. Op- and the again, back to chapter two: the opportunities, the rare opportunities. Doing the hard thing that other people don't want to do. So I was like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, and then chapter six, uh, legacy. Um, basically, this was just talking about how culture, the culture that you come from has a big part on how you act. Basically, um, they give a couple of crazy examples here of this family that had this feud going on down in Mm -hmm. kentucky and like like people were getting shot dying and literally like people just thought that was just the norm Mm -hmm. like like it's gonna be your time like you better go out like like, they talk about the jury story where some guy killed somebody was uh found not guilty because you know how else is he supposed to respond to an insult you know yeah (laughs) <laughs> that that was really interesting. I I liked the study later, where yeah they even had guys. You know, this is a hundred years after the fact. Guys from the north and guys from the south, and 
they were recording how would they how they reacted to being called a, an asshole i think um and people from the south nothing against those people but took it way took it personally way more often than people from the north who are more likely to just yep. shake it off so those those little things yep. that your environment um has an effect on you whether you you know you probably don't even realize you know you just learned yeah. it from a young age that that was culturally acceptable. Yep. It was, that was yep, interesting. Yep, yep. I didn't go into that chapter as yep. hard, but it, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, chapter seven, um, <sighs> the ethnic theory of plane crashes. I mm. think that's what that one was. Um, I could go into this for like days. Communication um, and language. Communication. And so like, when we had Rodney, this this chapter was specifically crazy to me because Rodney Moore, episode four, like the disc assessment. So the, your characteristics, they base that thing off of people in the airport. Like you got your pilot, oh, that's who's true. the ID, yep. your, your flight attendant, who's the I, your grounds crew, who's the S, and your air traffic control controller is the C. And I found it so crazy, you know, because they talked about, you know, different scenarios. Like, I think they talked about two plane crashes and then they had about another one where the individual had a safe landing with, you know, I think uh, there was a lady in the back that was having a, a stroke. And, uh, you know, they talk about, you know, this power, this power struggle, you know, if you come from a different culture depending on how you see power, like your boss or, you know, you know, they're talking about different cultures that have this whole politeness, you know, you bop here. Yeah. Politeness. So, so they would take those, those culture beliefs into the, the cockpit of the plane. And so then if the cap, the captain was in the wrong, the co-pilots had a hard time communicating that to the captain until Mm -hmm. it was too late. And so they were, you know, they were just saying that that the that the the uh, airlines have been working their butts off to to you know give the co-pilots the ability to take over the plane if they strongly believe that the captain is not making the right decision. But where I found this chapter so crazy is the communication, and that's why you got to understand how to communicate, no matter what culture you're in. Um, you had. So they talked about this. I forget what the plane was, but there was a plane crash in New York they were talking about. And they talked about the communication between the captain to his co-pilot to the air traffic controller. And so your air traffic controller obviously is the one that is your system structures. Like they're the ones, you know, lining up all the planes, making sure everything is coming down on time. So they have a certain way you need to speak to them for you to trigger and for them to understand yep. that, oh, this is an emergency. Like you need to land now. It's like a marriage counseling chat. But, Coop. Yeah, <laughs> but the guy, the co-pilot, never really communicated that effectively to the air. I forget control. the language they used, but in layman's terms, he was never direct. He was never, never direct. Exactly. That's, he was never direct and assertive. He was kind of like beating around the bush. Like, yes, we're running low on fuel. Well, what does that like? What does that mean? Like, if you're just uh, 
It was like uh, yeah, and we're running. And we're running. Uh, well, yeah. versus hey, we can't. Versus, no, we're now. like we don't have enough gas. We need to land now. Like we're gonna crash. Yep. Um, and they were, you know, it was crazy because then they were they had the the air traffic controller like testify and said like, well, technically every plane yeah. or every plane that's coming in is running low on fuel, and I hear that all the time. Yep, there was nothing triggering me, and. It was also funny because obviously to be a captain, they talk about your captain needs to be like a high D or a dominant personality. And you, I never sensed the captain really taking the situation in, like in his hands. Like he was communicating to the co-pilot and the co-pilot was communicating to the air traffic controller. And it was just funny to me because then they talk about a different example where there was another pilot who was coming from Dubai I think he needed to go to Los Angeles or something. It's a long but, flight. Uh, long flight. Yep. And so he has to make a decision on do I land in Russia or do I go to Finland? And you can tell, like in that situation, he got all the all the pilot, you know, all his co-pilots up because he was tired. He effectively communicated, he decided to land in Finland because he didn't think it would be okay to land in Russia. So he decided to go to Finland. Never been to the airport yeah. before. Was a li- the plane was a little different heavy, culture. but different culture. But he understood the language on what to communicate to the air traffic controller, like how to tell the controller, like I need a land. Um, I have a, someone on the plane that's having a stroke. I need a land this side because the wind is too heavy, and it was just you could tell it's night and day. So like that, yeah. So that. That's why you need to know your personality. Yeah, know your personality. <laughs> know you know who you're talking to. Um, everything's negotiable in life, so it's just yep. it's important to know. It was a good chapter. It was long. Yeah, and, but he was really trying to hammer it home. Yeah, I like dude. Like I think chapter seven for me was like the craziest. I think it was like it gave me goosebumps because like literally because he was going through the transcripts yeah. right like like and like. At, I think the the one in a in a Guam, like he literally ended the chapter like running through the transmission before it crashed, and like I was like, I yeah, take it, a he drove it the point uh, home for sure. Yeah, oh, he definitely drove the point home for sure. I was like, wow, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, if, if you're a dominant personality, you gotta sometimes you gotta listen to to your co-pilots, man. Yeah. You, got, you got to listen to your co-pilots because they, they might see something you don't see. Perspectives, exactly, exactly. Um, chapter eight, uh, uh, rice patties and fields. It, it, so it had to do something with rice patties. They were talking um, about um, no man who gets up before the sun three hundred and fifty days a year will not uh, provide you know, for his family. And they, they were talking about different things from the, you know, Asian culture versus I think the other examples were like French or obviously, you know, some American stuff. Um, but yep. uh, that, that hard work along with a little bit of uh, phonetic differences in our language, um, yep. culturally they were, they're more likely, you know, it's not like the, the racist stereotype. It's the statistically more likely for them yeah. to be, yep. Yep. you know, better at like mathematics or certain things just, of study. 
Um, so that was interesting yeah. just to, to get some data on those. Yeah. And, and so like, this is where we go into chapter nine, where they talk about the test, like the schooling, um, the school year. Um, and it's so crazy. And like, and this is why, this is why you need data. Yeah. This is why you need data to back facts or the, 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 the KIPP school. This was a crazy good chapter. So, yeah, they talk about the, our schooling system. Like when I say our schooling system, they talk about the United States schooling system and the, our summer vacation or summer break. And so they were, they were talking about like how during the school year, like when kids start out um, during the school year, like whatever your background is, rich, poor, middle class, whatever, through the course of the year, w- when you have the, uh, these year-end tests, Everybody is, pr- is pretty neck and neck. It's like you can't really tell anything. We go on summer break, you know, you know, obviously, you know, people have different things they do. You know, th- parents are going to do whatever with their kids. It's funny because then they would come back and take a test in September. And the gap was not even close. Depending on wh- what kind of family or what kind of what, situation, what kind of exactly. culture yep. you were in. Right. I mean, they, yep. and they use the example that wealthier families would, you know, encourage them to read, encourage them to go to, a, you know, an educational camp of some sorts yep. and non-wealthy families. And the, the, it's, you know, it, it's truly it's summer vacation. Right. And 100 yep. years ago, you know, you had to go work on the farm. But nowadays, yep. having that long summer vacation really doesn't make as much sense. And it should almost be like a little you know, quarterly break and get your tail back in school, you know? Yep. And so, and so that was what they were saying with other cultures, like the Chinese and the Jap- Japanese or, uh, was the, the like, number the one. Japanese. They were saying like, I think it was like 180 days that U.S. kids are in school. Um, and then they're saying compared to China and Japan, I think it was like 240 yeah, and then sure. like, two, 240 or like 250, you know, j- between Japan and um, China. And so the whole thing is they're always learning like, and this is what hit me is like kids obviously have phenomenal learning. Like their brain is always observing. They're always a sponge. Now you take time off and you're, they're not learning anything. It's hurt. It hurt. It hurts them. Like, you know, depending on what, what you're doing, you know, it, it hurt, it hurts their learning abilities. So like when they have to go back, it's like they're starting over. Um, and so they were talking about this Kip, this Kip school. Um, these two guys, I think it was two guys that put it so. together. And they, it's basically like a, it was like kind of like a year round. Yeah, a, you know, uh, a couple breaks here and there, but yeah, a couple year breaks round, here and there, even but it, it was even weekend. But kids are like they're studying like like from five. Um, they're talking about this gal. I think her and her mom were in the Bronx. Uh, single mom had a daughter she was 12 she applied to this kip school she got in into it <clears throat> and it was a crazy schedule she'd get up at 5 45 i think it was um, an 84 you know, percent chance that you were gonna get out and become successful a, somewhere exactly and it was crazy so like yeah this basically this school was you know 5 45 a.m got up went to school came back around 5 like p.m 5 6, yeah. yeah 5 p.m had basically homework the rest of the yeah. night and go to it bed. sounded like but like 
Jeez, that's a lot. And I it's think lot, that's where but... we had to check ourselves with our like, you know, our personal experience or culture. Like, it statistically, we if we had been in an environment like that, we'd be you know X percent ahead. It goes back to their ten thousand hour rule. Exactly, and he and I love it because he talks about, you know, when they're talking to this girl, um, or they're interviewing her, they were talking about her life. She didn't really even see it. As because they were saying like her study schedule was like someone trying to get into a law school or, um, you know, trying to study for some big exam. But she's like, and he was saying, but she's only 12 and this is regular life for her. And he was talking about the trade offs that you have to make when you, depending on what your community is. She, and he was saying like her community specifically was probably not going to put her in a school for her to get a scholarship. Right be able to get out of the situation her and her mom were in. Um, so he was saying again, again, opportunities, you know, she applied for this school and yeah, she had to give some things up, like not being able to see friends on the weekends, not being able to have some free time on the weekends for a short window to be able to grind and to get out of her situation. And so I just put, uh, create conditions to favor you and your family. That's good stuff. Basically. Basically, man. I mean, that's really, I mean, that's that's really all I had. Dude. Yeah, that that's the I book mean, in a nutshell. I mean, that's that's really that's really the book in a nutshell, man. I I thought it was great. I mean, it, it gave a lot of stats, a lot of statistics, and like again, I have my little thing at the beginning, but again, I love books like this because it always I always love books that challenge my my thinking, like you know how I see things. It's always good to, hey, Coop, but you know if you look over here the stats say, and we, and we know, you know, my personality, I don't like detail structure. <laughs> so to, like, I'm just big picture. Let's push through. Let's get it done. But it's, it's always good to like, see the data though. And like, Oh yeah, that's that make, makes a lot of sense. I can't, I can't argue with that. So yeah, dude, that's all I got. Man. I'm going to leave it at that. All right, dude. Um, Please make sure to subscribe. Uh, to the podcast, uh, rate us, leave a review. Um, I'm gonna just say it. So we're like we're gonna be starting Clubhouse pretty soon. We're actually on Clubhouse, just trying to get a we... feel for it. <laughs> All right. I just got on Clubhouse. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> had, had some had, had some great guys uh, push me to get on the app, and I've been hooked. Um, so I think we're gonna we're, we're gonna be talking and trying to figure out how we can add value to that thing to you guys um through that so um yeah if you don't have clubhouse uh message caleb or i um you know we can invite you guys because it's a buy invite only app um but basically it's like you you have different topics you know you can choose what topics you want to follow listen to and you're just basically in a room with people that you would never get to be in a room with in real life it's um uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty unique it's pretty unique and pretty crazy i'm i'm really liking it um cj smith is the one that got me into it and i and i told him i said bro you never should have showed me this never should have shown me this <laughs> yeah you, you're probably addicted <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah for sure so um but all right guys um oh is is this where we say uh next month yeah book? let's 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 drop it in there what what was it do you remember you gotta pull up the list coop but hang on, I just wait. Let's see this. 
Yep, podcast one on one. Always be ready. Always, <laughs> always be ready. Um, never split the difference. Mm. I believe. Yeah, right. That, people have been telling me to read this for a long time. I've been yeah, it. never, yeah, never, never split the difference. Uh, let me let me pull up. I just I just love how we like are in the middle of the podcast and we're like, yeah, let me just pull up my uh, iBooks to get the. But that's, that's what that's what makes us authentic, though, right? Like that's what you you tell yourself to feel better. But yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, never right, split the difference. Bit... You need the author. By Chris Voss and Tal Ross. I right, got bro. you, man. Tal Ta- Ross. Yeah, got it. Um. So yeah, that'll be the book for uh March. March. And uh, yeah. Uh, got some big things coming. We are super close, um, super super close. Hey, Caleb, Clubhouse is gonna be where I start talking about it. I think I feel comfortable on that platform. Yeah, just whatever, whatever you need, buddy. We're here. We're here for you. <laughs> all right, man. I'm. T- uh, all right, you. Anything no, else? No, great episode. Good? Great book. Highly recommend it. Even it, great. it's it's a good read. Yeah, it's a good read. It's a good read. Book, audiobook, whatever. So, uh. Yeah, that's it, everybody. All right, man. I'm going to see you next week. Yep. See you next week, everybody.